Chapter Fourteen of An Unwilling Guest by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Fourteen. Yours dismally, Dick. The evening was to Evelyn a remarkable experience. In the first place, had come her surprise at Allison's. Will you forgive me? When had any one ever asked her forgiveness before? She could see that Allison was really in earnest, and about so trivial a thing, too, as a neglect to invite her to go to church. It gave her a little inkling of the place that meeting held in Allison's heart. It also showed her that Allison regarded her, for some reason, as outside the sacred, privileged circle who might enter here. She and Bert did their part well. The piano and violin together sounded a grand keynote for the singing, and the many fresh, untrained voices took up the music and sang with a will. At first Evelyn felt almost inclined to stop playing and turn around to watch and listen. It seemed her playing was not needed. The music swept on in high, sweet melody, even though the voices were some of them harsh and most of them more or less crude. There was in the singing a quality of true praise that rose above all little discords, as if the sound of angel voices mingled in the air above their heads. Evelyn almost fancied there was a wonderful hidden instrument above somewhere, like an aeolian harp, and in spite of herself raised her head to look when the song was over. She had never played for a large company to sing before, and was astonished at the result and how suddenly they hushed as they took their seats again. Allison was standing by the little table up in front talking, with her head bowed. Why, she was praying. Actually, a girl, a woman, praying before others. Evelyn felt the blood tingle in her own veins at the very idea. How dreadful it must be to do that. How could she? But her voice was sweet and clear. Father in heaven, forgive us for our mistakes, and our foolish willfulness, and undo any harm we may have done, and help us to show others that we love thee. There it was again, that same loyalty to the one, Christ Jesus. The brother had talked that way too. She began to perceive the possibility of the wideness and the sweetness of such a tie, of the reading, songs, and prayers which followed and the part taken actively and eagerly by many of the young people. Evelyn had very indistinct ideas afterward. It was a series of surprises. It was as new to her, nay, more novel, than to the wide-awake, interested boy by her side. He had been there before, though five years ago. He knew well who took part. To Evelyn it was like being set down in another world. She and Bert Judkins played when Allison gave them a sign, and though they had not practiced together, the result was very sweet. Evelyn entered into the music. Especially did she do so when, at the close of a series of exceedingly brief prayers, Allison motioned them to play, just as I am without one plea. They had known she would call for it soon, and were seated ready. Very softly the unexpected strains floated out, like far-away heavenly music. Allison rejoiced in her heart that Evelyn knew when to play softly, and had in some way succeeded in toning down Bert and his violin, which loved to soar loudly. 
perhaps Bert too was softened by the hour and the spirit of the meeting the tender music filled the room and every head remained bowed just where the last note lingered tremblingly allison's sweet voice tremulous with suppressed feeling took the key and started them softly singing just as i am thy love unknown hath broken every barrier down now to be thine yea thine alone all lamb of god i come evelyn was not familiar with the words of this hymn it was not an old household church time childhood memory more quickly to her lips would rise the phrases of the latest opera but she had practised this tune over and over for the melody had caught her as being very tender and though she had not realized it the words had been before her and fixed themselves in her mind now as she listened to them voiced in what seemed a sweet and earnest prayer she realized that the words had become her own property thy love unknown thy love unknown kept going over in her mind during the remainder of the evening yes that was the love dr gray had told her about she began to feel that there was an unrecognized relation between herself and christ would that love unknown some day break down every barrier and bring her to him it was the first time the possibility of such a happening really had come to her and it startled her she tried to put it aside to study this curious gathering but it would keep recurring to her from time to time when the meeting was out and allison stood a moment talking to the pastor who had come in toward the close evelyn turned to bert now i want you to stay to church she told him with an air of command which evidently pleased that young gentleman he smiled a knowing smile and twinkled his eyes in a mischievous way all right i'm in for the whole business he remarked jauntily got the rest of the gang outside waitin for me to come for em i made em all come and we're goin to occupy a front seat guess you'll get enough of us for once and he looked toward his teacher with that mingling of reverence and impudence which can only be possible on the face of a boy of that age and class sure enough the opening hymn was but being read when in filed twelve boys led by bert judkins who had disencumbered himself of his violin down the long aisle they came embarrassed and grinning and almost falling over one another's feet in the long transit but into a side seat near the front they all finally got themselves noisily seated drawing the attention of many an astonished pillar of the church allison had quickly bowed her head when she first saw them and when a moment later she raised it there were tears in her eyes mingled with the pleasure in her face she could not conceal then each in turn stole furtive glances back to their teacher and received her answering welcoming smile and thereafter sat like twelve statues listening respectfully save during the singing in which they joined with fervor evelyn looked and wondered and pondered what did it all mean this new world into which she had come it was not without interest to her she felt that she had some part in it 
she even caught the spirit and exulted the least little bit when all those boys came in anyway it was less dull than any church service she had ever attended before one service a day was as much as she ever forced herself to attend and even that was often merely a sabbath evening sacred concert later that evening allison stole timidly to miss rutherford's door and knocked evelyn in pretty negligee of soft pink cashmere opened the door and invited her in with a look of surprise allison's golden-hued hair was all down about her shoulders in shining wealth of waves and evelyn sat watching the delicate face in its lovely setting that looked like the halo of some saint i couldn't sleep said allison till i had come and told you how wicked i have been i did not want to invite you to go to the meeting with me lest you would laugh at me and now you have been so good as to come without asking and influenced my boys at least one of them to come and i want to thank you you absurd child said evelyn laughing you needn't trouble your conscience about that it was quite a lark i was richly repaid when i saw your face as those great hulking boys stumbled into church now go to bed and don't worry any more but there is something else said allison hesitating and twisting a long lock of bright hair around her finger i want to ask you if you are a christian the ready crimson mantled her face as she said it but she looked bravely up at evelyn that young lady laughed no she answered gaily i'm a heathen bert and i are about alike you'll have to think of some way to get hold of me then another swift impulse seized her for which she could not account and she stooped and kissed the pure white forehead and said in a voice of smothered feeling you are a dear little girl and i wish i were half as good as you allison her duty done the worn-out little christian slipped back to her bed marvelling much at this strange girl who had so many different sides to her nature and she had called her allison with something tender in the accent and had said she wished she were good there must be more in her after all than one would think perhaps there was in most people there were in her rough uncouth boys it was easy for her to see the good hid beneath their unpolished exterior but when it came to a girl of the world like miss rutherford allison had felt there was little good there to look for she had been mistaken surely she was wrong her brother was right as he always used to be when they were children and any question came up for discussion he always took the mild charitable side and his sister the impulsive prejudiced critical well at least she had done her duty at last the other girl had admitted that she was not a christian and now it became her duty to pray for her yes and to work for her too if there was any way in which she could work why was it that it was not so easy to try to influence her as it was that class of boys she must examine into this of course it was god's work just as much and it was apparent from what miss rutherford could she ever call her evelyn had said that she had been wrong too in supposing she had no influence with her she fell asleep at last weary with turning the problem over in her mind Tomorrow she would try to do better Tomorrow whispereth weakness and tomorrow findeth him the weaker Tomorrow promiseth conscience and behold no today for a fulfillment 
Allison found those lines not long after, and remembered and searched out some others she had known a long time, and printed them together on a card, which she placed on her wall for her reminder in the duties that should come to her in future. Tomorrow, oh, twill never be, if we should live a thousand years. Our time is all to-day, to-day, the same, though changed, and while it flies, with still small voice the moments say, To-day, to-day, be wise, be wise. The morning dawned bright and clear, and the early mail brought a letter for Evelyn. She took it up to her room to read. It bore a Philadelphia postmark, and was written in a cramped hand, as if the writer were in an uncomfortable position. It read as follows. Dear sister, your letter with its plaint has just reached me. I had forgotten the outlandish name of the place where Aunt Joan resides, or I would have sent for you a week ago. I am in a worse fix than you even. In short, I'm laid up in a dismal hotel room with a broken leg. I slipped on a miserable little piece of orange peel and fell down three small stone steps right here in the hotel. I never knew before that legs broke so easily, and I didn't believe them when they told me it was broken, except for the abominable pain that made me faint dead away several times. If I had my senses about me, I would have been sent straight to the hospital, but they had me up in my room and the bones set before I knew what I was about. And here I am with a man to look after me. I have sent for John, but I am not sure I can reach him as he went off to some back-country place to visit his mother. If you have a mind to come on and stay here at the hotel, I'll do my level best at chaperoning you as well as I can from my bed. It would be a relief, at least, to see a familiar face once a day. I have not sent a word to any of our acquaintances here, for the simple reason that I feel too simple at my accident to have them know about it. If I had been thrown from a horse— or hurt in rescuing a young lady from a burning building, there would be a halo of glory about me, and I could afford to hold soirees for my friends and be admired and pitied. But a man who can't stand up on a level landing and avoid a single square inch of orange peel is too insignificant even for pity. Of course, if your quarantine is raised, and you have found someone to flirt with and don't want to come, do as you please. But I thought this might be a little better than smallpox. I shall doubtless get on my feet some day if I live long enough, or don't get desperate and shoot myself. In the meantime, this is the best I can do for you, and I guess Daddy will excuse you for coming to nurse your broken-up brother. If he doesn't, I'll shoulder all blame. Yours dismally, Dick. Evelyn read this letter with mingled emotions. Ordinarily this invitation would have been anything but attractive to her, she was not a born nurse. She did not like to be with sick people. There had never been any deep, tender feeling between her brother and herself. Nevertheless, Hillcroft was destitute of occupation for her unless she undertook the reformation of Bert Judkins or his like, for which she did not feel particularly qualified. The waiting here was likely to be long and tedious if she had to stay till her aunt was out of quarantine and she felt nervous about going to her, even after everything was pronounced safe. Undoubtedly her father would be satisfied if Dick chose to send for her, and the change would be a real relief. Meantime, underneath all these questions which she weighed deliberately, there was an undertone of desire, or perhaps it was only willingness, 
to do something for someone else which would be accounted good in herself in other words she had watched the unselfish lives of those around her long enough to wish to work out a little salvation for herself and so without much thought and certainly not with fear and trembling but with a full degree of assurance of success she set out to work salvation for herself she would be good to dick poor fellow it was hard for him to be shut up there when he had expected to go off hunting in a few days there had always been a certain degree of fondness between them but never the deep affection at least not suspected by themselves that there was between alison gray and her brother evelyn wondered now as she hurried downstairs to make known her decision to her hostess if there ever could be cultivated such a tie between herself and dick as existed between dr gray and his sister she felt a faint yearning for something of the sort it would be nice to have one's brother care as much as that to do her justice she was not anxious to shine virtuously before any human beings she wished only to feel satisfied in her own heart that she had been doing some good to some one else and yes before that other one christ she would like to feel less small when she knelt to make that daily petition it occurred to her on the way downstairs that it would have been much pleasanter if dick had fallen down in new york instead of philadelphia perhaps he might have sent for his friend dr gray she would like to meet him again though perhaps it was just as well after all not to for she desired above all things to get away from the unrest with which the strange new thoughts had filled her mrs gray fully agreed with her guest that she ought to go to her brother and a message was sent by the doctor over the telephone to the quarantined aunt who also cheerfully acquiesced in the arrangement evelyn packed her trunks hurriedly as she discovered that she could leave by the noon train and make connections with the philadelphia sleeper there was no time to talk everything was confusion and hurry almost before they were aware their guest was gone and Allison was unhitching the pony from the post across the road and driving away from the station. She drove slowly and sighed several times. She could not tell whether she was glad or sorry that Miss Rutherford was gone. She felt that her attitude during her stay had been a mistake, and that she had let many opportunities for witnessing for Christ go by unheeded. She would be glad to live that part of her life over and do better, but on the whole it was a relief to her to have the dear home nest to themselves once more miss rutherford was a person from too different a world to ever be congenial life with her had been at too high tension to be comfortable allison was glad to come in sight of the loved home and know that her round of pleasant duties would be again uninterrupted miss rutherford had said you must come to new york and see me some time i should love to show you new york it had been spoken very cordially but allison never meant to go she shuddered at the thought what questions of right and wrong would she have to meet what constant challenging of her views how little her tastes would blend with the probable rutherford home life what agonies of social etiquette all new to her would she have to face never never does our heavenly father sometimes smile at our fierce assertion of what we will and will not do seeing in his loving kindness that this is the very thing we need most and forthwith brings it to us that we may bear and learn and then give him glory when we understand 
End of chapter 14